This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode 194. This is one of my favorite episodes that exists on our podcast. I got to interview Dr. Lynetta Willis, who has become a dear friend since this interview, and she collaborated with us to create a workshop that's included in our SEED certification program. She has a lot of work around self-awareness and what's coming up from our childhood, and is it something we want to repeat or heal so that we don't repeat it? This episode is full of awesome, tangible tools for moving forward and what this looks like to heal intergenerational trauma. I want to put a disclaimer in here that in the episode, I get jazzed and invite her to present at Mama's Getaway 2021. And well, Mama's Getaway 2021 is canceled because of COVID. So that's not happening. But stay tuned, Lynetta and I have collaborated on a number of things and will continue to collaborate. She's incredible, and I'm so psyched for y'all to dive into this episode. So let's do just that. Let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey everyone, welcome back to Voices of Your Village. Today I'm hanging out with Lynetta Willis, Dr. Lynetta Willis lest I leave that out. (laughs) Hey, how are you, sister? Doing well. How are you? So excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. I got to say, we get a lot of pitches for the podcast, right? We get a lot of people who reach out and we get some some rough pitches where I'm like, oh, you don't even know what we do. Like you clearly haven't listened to an episode of the podcast. 
your pitch came in. Not only did you guys like reference episodes and talk about them, like clearly have listened, but then there's a link to see you present. And so I, and I was like immediately messaged Erica who runs my inbox and she books all of our podcast guests and was like, we need her now. (laughs) I'm so jazzed to get to hang out with you. I actually don't usually do morning interviews, mostly because I'm like, have I talked enough? Like, have I used my voice enough today to like, be?" and I was like, I'll take her whenever. Let's get her on. Oh, thank (laughs) you for sharing that. Yeah. I'm so excited to have you here. So can you tell folks a little bit about who you are and your background, kind of what brings you here? Yes. So um, I'm so excited to be here. I just had to say that again. Um, (laughs) So I'm a psychologist and I'm a family coach. And um, I, when I was, well, really, I had a private practice for a number of years. And then I moved over to coaching just because of the flexibility and things like that. When I was in private practice, I had a number of specialties. I specialized in trauma and family work and couples and parenting and grief and all of these different things. Um, and so when I came over to do coaching, I realized, you know, there were certain things I wanted to do that um, I wanted to really narrow down, you know, who I help and who I see. And so I went within and I said, you know, what is really important to me? Like, what are things that really, that I really feel like I could speak on and help on because it's reflective of my journey. And so at this phase in my life, a lot of what I do is I work with a lot of um, smart, successful women in their families, and I help them break free from what I call stable misery, which is that space within us where we are, um, things seem to be flowing along pretty well in most areas of our lives. A lot of the people that I work with, they're very confident and skilled in so many areas, but then they're like, I can, I had one client say, I can run a fortune 500 company, but I can't get my kid to listen. Right. So there's this sense of like, there's this disconnect between what they can do and and who they are and how they show up in the world and where they are in their family. Um, And that, and, and that is really reflective of my journey. Um, and really my journey starts back as most of our journeys do when I was very, very young and, um, the family that I grew up in, I have a great family. I want to say that a lot of times when we talk about intergenerational trauma, I find that a lot of my clients are reluctant to do so because they feel like they don't want to shame their family and they don't want to, um, reflect badly or poorly. And I always say, you know what? I have a great family. I really do. It's just a lot of the tools that were used to raise me were outdated and unhelpful. And I'm at a point in my life where I realized that. And so I want to break cycles and build new legacies that I'll be proud to pass on to my kids. That doesn't mean that my family is bad, anything like that. And there were a lot of things that I experienced. So I was spanked um, growing up, uh, what I call the four horsemen mindset was used, which is um, pain, blame, shame, and avoidance. All the things were used to keep kids in line in my family, you know, and um, I've never, I've never heard the four horsemen in that sense. Because I've yes. always heard of like Gottman's Four Horse and I like exactly. that. One. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Noted, filed away for later. All right, sorry <laughs> to interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's so cool. So, you know, um, I decided I'm like, these, are, these horsemen have to be retired. I cannot pass them on to my children. Um, and then there were other things too that influenced 
how I was showing up in the world. Like I was molested when I was younger and like I said, spanking was used and um, um, I was in an abusive relationship, you know, in college and all of these things came together in such a way that um, really led me to get to a point where I said, I have to evolve. I have to shift how I show up for myself in order to shift how I'm showing up for other people. And that's a lot of what I help people do. I help them to really shift how they're showing up in their relationships, shift how they're showing up for themselves so that they can say, you know what, I'm going to stop this cycle and I'm going to, I'm going to shift it and I'm going to build a legacy that feels really good to me, something that I'm excited to pass on to my kids. So awesome. I mean, it's the no better, do better, right? Like, yes. And I say like, I, I actually yesterday I posted something about lying and like why kids lie. And I shared it through my own story. And so I shared this story of myself as a 16 year old girl who had thrown a party at my house. And then my parents came home and I had cleaned everything up, but put the Zima. If you know Zima, you know, like it's like smeared off ice, but like 90s Smirnoff ice. And (laughs) so I put the Zima in my dresser and my mom like found it in my dresser drawer and she was like, where'd this come from? Like what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. No idea where that came from. I don't know how that got here. And just like straight up was like committed to, I'll just lie to your face because I knew I'd get in trouble either way. Like there was no benefit to me telling her the truth. If I told her the truth, I was in trouble. But all this to say, like, I shared this and went on to say, like, when we're using a punishment reward system, that this is what we're going to wind up in. That If I'm going to be punished no matter what, versus Mm -hmm. my mom saying, like, hey, babe, what's going on? Why are you drinking at 16? Anything you want? At which point, maybe I would have been like, oh, yeah, mom, I was raped and have nobody to talk to. And like, this is what maybe I wouldn't have quite worded it that way at that moment. But like, it could have opened some doors had we talked about feelings instead of just punishing. But I shared this and said in it over and over, this is not a dig to my mom. She's a phenomenal mom. And I wanted people to get that, that like, I'm not here to shame my parents for what they did or didn't do. And I think that you're absolutely right that like so many folks, there is this fear that when we talk about what we want to change, that there's this inherent shame of what our parents did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? So and I, I I understand that fear because even when I like shared it, I was like, oh, I know that like my mom follows seed and so on social media. Like there's a part of me that's like nervous and I want to text her and be like, mom, you did a great job. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. When I wrote my um, about me story on my website, I remember I went home and I and I, I was like, I wrote this and I gave it to her, and then I like ran away like a five year old. I like like threw the phone at her and like literally walked out of the room. I was like, <laughs> like, oh, she's gonna be so mad at me, you know. <laughs> Totally. And this fear, like, I I think that's another thing. Like, even if you weren't punished, I think the fear of hurting someone's feelings, right? This idea that like, it's not okay for them to feel hard things. Yes. And that's been so much of my work in therapy is I, man, oh, I pushed every boundary that was ever set for me. And I still as an adult, like have this feeling of like, I don't want to hurt my mom's feelings. 
Mm-hmm. I don't want to make her sad. I don't mind making her mad. Been doing that since I came out of the womb, but I don't want to make her sad, right? Or disappointed. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of like how I would show up in the world with her was around that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. That is so true. I love that. You know, and <clears throat> when we're able to separate, like, this is what happened. These, you know, this is what was done. This is what they knew. This is what, you know, when we separate that from this is how like, you're, you're bad. Like this mm-hmm. is what you did. And therefore you're bad, right? Like those two aren't together. I hope, I pray that my children will one day say, you know what, mom, you did that thing. And I didn't really fly very well. I'm gonna do that a little differently with mine. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I talk about this, you know, getting past intergenerational stuff as it's like a relay. It's, mm-hmm. it's a relay race. It's not a marathon. We don't have to run this by ourselves. So I look at it as I'm going to run first part. I'm, I'm going to realize like, oh, there's stuff that need. there's a cycle that needs to be broken here. You know, that's the gun going off. Mm-hmm. And then I start running with my baton. At some point, I have to hand that baton off to my kid and then they run. And then they hand that baton off to their kid, right? It's a race that we run together. I don't have to fix it all. I don't have to run all 26 miles by myself, right? I, I, I can be aware and change what I can, pass the baton off to my kids with the hopes that their awareness will then lead them to change things that I did and grow and evolve even more. I love that so much. It's such a perfect analogy. And I, I like, I always think of car seats of like, I'm my, when I'm like, Hey mom, we're using a different car seat than the basket you put me in, in the car. She's not like, Oh man, like, I can't believe you're doing this differently. She's like, yeah, I mean, thank goodness. Right. Thank goodness this has evolved. But somehow when it comes down to emotions and emotional development, when we do things differently, I think there is a different lens there's this like shame almost that we're looking back on like how oh you let us cry or you spanked us or whatever it was that now we're like and we're going to tweak this that we look at it differently than we do car seats and I wish that we could look at it all the same like now we learned something new that it's it's not that they knew and they were like man I'm just gonna screw this up you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't think that was the intention. Right. <laughs> How badly can I get this wrong? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, man. No way. So let's break some things down here for folks. What is, when you're talking about intergenerational trauma, what are you talking about? What does that mean to you? Yeah. So a lot of people, when they think of trauma and 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 the, the technical way of viewing trauma are, um, you know, we look at it as like, physical abuse, right? Like that, that sense of abuse comes up in a lot of ways. But when I use that phrase, I widen that lens a little bit, right? And it's those things that happened to us when we were kids that we deem unhelpful. The way that I like to look at it now is, um, I always say when we're born, we get a gift and the gift is a tree. And I like to call it a family legacy tree. (laughs) And this tree bears two types of fruit. It bears legacy blessings and legacy burdens. Mm. Right. And the legacy blessings are those things that we deem as helpful. Um, and, and the legacy burdens are those things that we deem as unhelpful as we grow, as we get older. Now, something can start out as a burden and move 
into a, in, into a blessing very easily. You know, it starts out as like a burden as a seed. So if somebody, let's say, grew up in a home where there was a, a alcohol, you know, a, alcohol abuse, right? And then that that's a burden. And then they grow up and they realize, you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to perpetuate this. And then they start an organization that helps ACOAs, adult children of alcoholics or something, right? So that burden turned into a blessing in many ways, right? So really when we grow and we have these intergenerational cycles, what's happening is those burdens are staying burdens, right? So those burdensome fruits, those unhelpful habits, those unhelpful patterns, those unhelpful things just keep getting passed down. The seeds keep getting replanted and they grow on different trees generation after generation after generation. And when we look back and we say, you know what? Like in my family, addiction is a a big thing. In my family, um, even physical um, things like high blood pressure, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. what? Like some people get millions of dollars passed down to them. We pass down (laughs) high blood pressure in my family. It's a thing, right? So. I would rather the trust fund, but hey, whatever, you know. Um, so <laughs> it's one of those things where now I've decided, like, this is going to stop with me. I don't care what genetics says. I am not passing this freaking blood pressure down <laughs> to my children. So, you know, I'm really big on diet and health and things like that. So really, it's any of those things that get passed down from generation to generation that we find are not helpful to our overall development and our overall growth and can actually hinder and um, hold us back in some really key ways um, that, that we want to, yeah, for moving forward or from evolving in a way that feels good to us. Yeah, that makes, I, I love that analogy. Also not receiving a trust fund am receiving like the diabetes gene. So right. there's that. <laughs> here you, babe. <laughs> that, it makes so much sense. And it actually like for me is like, wow, that's so empowering, right? Because what it does, my response, and I think that this is also maybe part of who I am as a human and why I am standing here at 30 as a rape survivor who was treading water for years, mm. like just trying to stay afloat. And then built a toolbox and now like run a business that is designed to serve folks with tools to build emotional intelligence so that the kids who, because I don't think sexual assault is going to stop overnight Mm -hmm. and I, that would be dreamy. I think that that's way harder to do than to give folks the tools for like, all right, whatever comes your way in in life, you have some tools to navigate it. Right. And so like, like my story, I was like, I don't, I don't want my kids to have this right Mm -hmm. and like started my therapy in early 20s and I was like all right got a lot of stuff to work through here (laughs) let's go start stretching (laughs) that's right (laughs) oh man I don't think I can stretch today Uh, (laughs) this body is sore Uh, (laughs) but yeah like I think it it, for me is empowering of like cool I get to I can work through this stuff Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to own me right Yes, yes, that's so, so true. And realize, and, and, and you're right, that is so empowering. Like, I can work through this. This is possible for me to move through this. And a lot of the work that I do with my clients is around, like I always say, I'm the facilitator, right? I, I facilitate a process by which you 
get to where you want to be, by which you break free from stable misery, by which you, chip, you know, break the cycle and build the legacies that you want to break. Because I can't, I can't, I can't give that to my clients, you know, I'd be great if I could, but I can't. It's really something that they choose to do. It's an act of bravery, right? So giving them the ability to, like me just facilitating that process while they say like, you know what, I want to do this differently. That's so empowering. It's much more empowering than me just giving them, you know, like here, do this, 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 right. It's, it's a process that can start within. Yeah. Impact how they show up every day in their life. And I'm like, all right. So how do you figure out like where your trauma lives? Right. Or like what Mm -hmm. trauma you have, because one of the things I think sometimes, you know, you open your mouth and your mom comes out like, (laughs) you're like, Oh, wow. (laughs) That one sounds familiar. (laughs) Yes. Uh, you, you said something in, it may have actually been the title of your talk. We relive what we don't reclaim. Yeah. And I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I love that. I love that so much. And, and that for me was the like, Oh, when you open your mouth and your mom comes out and you notice those things for Mm -hmm. sure. Like, Oh, and sometimes my husband will just call me Margaret, which is my mom (laughs) when I am acting like my mom (laughs) and vice versa. That goes both ways. Right. like oh, just like I'm just gonna ping you here. Here's what's going on. And sometimes he'll just jump straight to my grandma and he'll call. Oh, me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that one's deep. That one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that, didn't I? Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. Well, fair, fair, fair. Checks out. But <laughs> but I think like some of them are easy to recognize. Where you're like, okay, like that is a pattern that I'm starting to recognize and I don't want to carry that one on. Or sometimes I'm like, yeah, she crushed that. I want to make sure I'm continuing to carry that one on. And, but so how do you, how do you find the ones that for me were like kind of hidden where all of a sudden I'm in therapy and I'm like, it's always those therapy sessions where you go in and you're like, yeah, I think I'm good today. (laughs) And then I'm like, I'm not good today. (laughs) And sobbing. And she she could dig up this stuff that's been living there. But that for, I think for so many of us, even in my lying post yesterday, when I shared it, so many people commented and were like, oh, like, yeah, I grew up in a situation like that too. And I didn't realize until now that I had been lying because mm-hmm. I didn't feel safe to tell the truth or whatever. And now I'm noticing that my seven, eight, nine, 12 year old is lying to me too. And now I want to know, like, what do I do from here? Right. So I think sometimes it's not as obvious. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. Having Sage approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system. And I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready. I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, math, geared toward the six plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. Recently, we had some family visiting and on our way to dinner, we popped on an episode of Mysteries About True Histories, math, with my niece and nephew in the car. In this episode, Max and Molly travel back in time to solve a mystery from the order of the problem solvers, along with lots of kid humor mixed in. It was a fun way to enjoy our car ride together and opened the door for some interesting conversation about history and understanding some of the mysteries of the past. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for car rides and mealtimes, and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. It's so true. And um, I created a framework. It's called the um, Paths to Personal Evolution Framework. And PATHS is an acronym, P-A-T-H-S. And uh, it really ties in well with this because a lot of times what what we say is, okay, you know, you're yelling. So that means you're triggered and you need to figure out what that's about and then stop. Right. (laughs) And sometimes that's true, but there are so many other ways, like you said, they're hidden. There's so many other places that these things can hide within us. So the reason why I created the paths, it actually, I really love to study different spiritual um, paths and things like that. And what I realized was spirituality, regardless of of what one thinks about it, it's something that a lot of people use to help them transform and evolve. So what I did was I really looked deep and said, what is it? What, what's, what's the, you take away all the stuff and what is it specifically that is helping people, Mm -hmm. you know, evolve and transform in these things. And that's when the PADS model came up and PADS stands for, um, the P stands for perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, A stands for awareness. T stands for tools, H stands for healing, and S stands for self-empowerment. And so all of these things can really be used to help us not only uncover where our stuff, quote unquote, lives, Mm -hmm. but also how to deal with it. So P stands for perspective. So that's around our stories, right? The stories we tell ourselves. So getting clear on where am I, what I call stuck in story, right? So if I have a story that, you know, my kid's manipulative. You know, my kid's a manipulative little brat, as one of my clients told me. Um, you know, it's like, okay, where does that story come from? So we can look at it from that perspective. Like, what are the, th- the beliefs that I have? What are the stories that I carry that really aren't really serving me very well, right? So you can, you can uncover them there. The other thing on the awareness is it, a lot of times, especially trauma, it lives in our body. You know, so I'm also a rape survivor and, you know, there were so many times, especially early in my relationship when my husband and I were dating, where he would reach out to touch me and my body would like 
do something different. I'm like, you know, I cringe or I pull away or, you know, in my, my brain, I'm like, no, it's fine. He's safe. Ah, you know, what's going on? And my body's like, nope. You know, so sometimes it's how we respond, like physiologically, our sen- the sensations that we have, the feelings that we come up. So also tapping into when my kid does this thing, mm. what sensation does that bring up in me? What feeling does that bring up with me? You know, am I using an atom bomb to handle something that really requires a laser beam? You know, <laughs> like that's a really good indicator of like, oh, okay, maybe something's like, so that awareness. Also, and this is another thing that's really cool, if you, if you, what I realized if you really focus on it looking, being aware of how our children are responding Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't realize. So if you're not realizing if it's, if it's hidden and you're not realizing what's going on, the awareness isn't there, but you realize like my kid is cringing or literally tiptoeing around me or avoiding me or lying all the time, you know, maybe that's a good, because our children are, they're great mirrors great mirrors for better or for worse. They're great mirrors. <laughs> so what are they mirroring back to you? I had this um, really good quick story. My husband um, years ago, my son's 11 now, he was probably about five and they had this weird head mm-hmm. thing. It was, it was very, very strange and they weren't really connecting and it was painful as mom to watch. And I would try to tell my husband, but yeah, you could probably guess how that worked out. Not <laughs> well. Um, so let me, share, let me tell you from my therapist perspective, what, what could go differently here? Right, right, right. <laughs> and he's like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> We're much better at that now. Now he's like, okay, maybe you do know something. <laughs> like, you know, therapy's not my hobby, right? Like I actually went to school for many years with this, but okay. Um, <laughs> much more accepting. But at the time he wouldn't. So I said, I'm going to step back and I'm going to allow my child to be the mirror. I'm going to allow my child to mirror to him, which was really hard, but I did. And then one day we were sitting in the living room and my son comes in and he says, night, mommy, I love you. And I said, good night, baby. And he went to walk back and my husband said, good night, Joseph. And my son turned to him, looked at him, turned back and kept walking. Mm. And my husband was like, Joseph, good night. And he turned, he looked at him. And then he kept walking and it wasn't like a, ew, like you're talking to me. It was literally like, I'm sorry, did you say something? No. Okay. And in that moment, everything shifted for him Mm. because Joseph in that moment mirrored back to him and, and Patrick was aware enough at that moment to see like, oh, that's not good. Like (laughs) something is bad. Right. So also seeing how other people respond to us is a really good way to find out those hidden things. And of course, the T stands for tools. So what tools do we find ourselves using? Are we yelling? Are we spanking? Are, you know, what are we doing that? And and what is that indicative of? Did our mom yell a lot? You know, um, are we boundaryless? That's no, you know, we talk a lot about the yelling and the spanking, but sometimes it's like, we have no boundaries. Our kids just run all over us, literally sometimes, you know, and we're like, wait, what? Where did that come from? You know, a lot of times the parents I work with who, who were raised 
um, with the four horsemen. They swing the pendulum all the way to the other side. We talk about this all the time. All the time. They're like, this is the thing I see the most of in our work is this pendulum swing of like, well, I'm not going to do it that way. So I'm going to come way over here. <laughs> like, could exactly. we find, can we find that middle space? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. You don't have, no, they do not need to eat ice cream at four in the morning. It's okay. Yeah. It's like, whatever they want. Yeah, totally. At your expense, right? Because of yes. teaching them in life then. Yes. Like, babe, they're going to leave your house and the world's not going to revolve around them. And that's oh. gonna be a hard reality. It's going to be a hard. And now and then you got to be helicoptering around them, trying to pick up and clean up all their all the messes because now yeah. they don't know how to handle it. They're like, totally. my teacher said, no, she will not give me a B instead of an F. <laughs> you know? Mom, come fix this. You know, I mean, totally. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right, our goal so. should not be that they don't feel hard things. Exactly. Exactly. So realizing like, what are the tools that I'm using and are they helpful? Are they unhelpful? I don't like to say good or bad because I don't yep. find that very helpful, but are they helpful? Or are they unhelpful? And then of course, H, which is healing, what needs to be healed, right? And sometimes we don't always realize that what is, what, what needs to be healed, like sexual assault, things like that can impact how we parent. Mm -hmm. but they absolutely can. So just healing our stuff, going into therapy, working with a coach, whomever, and, and getting some stuff uncovered and healed can help us to real, can actually help us to be um, better parents and to see which, what's coming out of us, how our stuff is leaking on. And sometimes it just siphons the energy. Like if I'm constantly trying to deal with my stuff and manage my stuff, all my energy, that's energy I can't give towards my kids. It's energy I can't give mm -hmm. towards my because I'm so busy trying to manage my stuff. Yeah. And then the S is self-empowerment. Um, so where, where can I use more power in my life? Where do I feel disempowered? You know, where am I living in stable misery? Where is it? Where are those places where these patterns and these habits keep continuing? Right. So it's stable, but I'm miserable. I'm unhappy. I'm unfulfilled. Right. Like, so where, where can I empower myself more? Where do I feel disempowered? And what can I do about that? So those are just some key spaces, our stories, awareness, the tools we're using, what needs to be healed and where we feel disempowered. Those are just key places where these things can live. I'm know, obsessed with this and I want it everywhere. <laughs> did you make this up? Do it. I did. You're incredible. Oh, thank you, Alyssa. <laughs> I mean it. I want it everywhere. If you are hearing this and you're like, yes, I want more tools for this. I want to know how to rewrite these patterns and habits from my childhood and, and build awareness of them about what's coming up and where it's coming from and how to move forward with intention to move out of that autopilot mode and into conscious choice. Come join us in our reparenting class. Go to seedandso.org and click right up at the top at our courses and products to drop down to our reparenting course. We will guide you through how to do this in your everyday life. Let's get started. Seedandso.org for our reparenting course. Okay, so how does this look? We, we got a lot of questions when I put this out to our village about like, okay, but 
X, Y, and Z, my mom, my partner, whomever is not doing this work. And so like, how, how do you respond to that, my friend? Yeah, yeah. I love that question. I just had a conversation about this this weekend. So good, good. They're not doing their work. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm being a little silly on that. <laughs> so what I like to call my tribe, I call us revolutionaries and that cool. stands for relationship evolutionaries. Right. And the only way I truly believe I, and, and some people might disagree, but I love to say personal growth is a myth. We can only grow in relationships, right? We can only grow in relationships. So it's one of those things where what happens is our relationships, they give us things to bump up against. And we can take the, the bump and say, oh my God, okay, you're just running over me. I have no control and sort of live in that victim space. Or we can say, I'm going to make a choice to show up differently. I'm going to make a choice to strengthen my muscles so that I can do something different. You can't change. I mean, I know everybody says this, but it's true. You can't change what other people do. You can only change what you do. So when my husband was acting weird with my son, I tried to change him. Didn't work, right? So I said, what can I do? Now, I know my husband loves my son. I know he would die a million times over for him. So there wasn't a question of that. But I made a choice to back up. I made a choice to say, I'm going to allow Joseph to tell him, to tell his father what he needs to say to him through his actions and things like that, right? So if your husband's not doing the work, if your mother-in-law is not doing the work, keep doing your work. Keep doing your work. Keep choosing. Saying, how in this moment can I empower myself? What is one step that I can take to empower myself in this moment and in this situation? And the other thing that will happen, the more that you do that, is people start to see and they start to shift based on what you're doing. So now, once Patrick had that moment, now he will tell you, if he were home, I'd pull him in here. He would say... I am a completely different parent because of watching you. But we had to get over that hump of me trying to be his therapist (laughs) and telling him like, if you do this and that, and the research says, la, 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 right? I had to let him come to that on his own. And now he's like, what should we do? You know? (laughs) And I'm more able to trust him now, right? Mm -hmm. I'm no longer trying to throw myself in the gap to try and protect their relationship, right? I'm like, and I, I'm like, what do you think we should do here? You know? So it's one of those things where just do you, do you, and stay committed to being the best you you can and trust the process, trust that they'll get where they need to get. Now, if you think that your mother-in-law is like gonna, you know, you drop the kids off and she's going to be drunk and like burn the house. No, I'm not. Don't put your kids in physical danger. You know, do what you can. Be mama bear, be papa bear, of course. And when, when, when possible, allow the process to play out. Do what you can to be empowered, to feel empowered. And drop nuggets where you can model where you can. I mean, I don't mean to infantilize, but it's like with our kids, you know, you can't always tell them things. You just have to kind of model it. And over and over, and eventually they pick it up, you know, same thing with them. Keep modeling, keep showing. And for Patrick, the other thing that it was, was he saw how close I was with the kids. He saw how close I was, and he wanted that. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So just, I didn't have to say a word. I didn't have to say a word. Right. So keep doing you keep moving forward. Don't stop and trust the process. And it takes time. Like I'd imagine, like he didn't see it right away because you wouldn't see the fruits of that labor right away. Right. right? Like that's going to take time and it's, it's real hard to watch it happen. The other relationship happen, you know, and to, I think part of a lot of my work is just shutting up and I, it's so hard to do, you know, like, man, it's so hard to do. It is. Like, where's the duct tape? Oh, (laughs) I shared even in my stories last night, like my, I was tired and I'd had a long day and my body was starting to hurt from working out for the first time. And I was hungry and my husband came home and we had gotten a package from Amazon and open it up, whatever. And I left the package sitting out on the table and then just came and crashed and was doing more work on the couch. And he came in, he's like, Hey babe, can you just do me a favor? And, uh, just like next time, break this down and throw it over by the recycling. And everything inside of me wanted to tell him about all the annoying things that he does in life. (laughs) And (laughs) just like, so defensive. And instead I was like, whoop, like, but it has taken a long time for me to do the instead. (laughs) <laughs> so also giving yourself grace that this takes time and, and consistency. And I think the possibly the hardest thing for me in doing any of this work is accepting that my relationships would change, even though what I wanted was for my relationships to change, right? Like yeah. I wanted different patterns than we had, or I wanted certain boundaries that didn't exist before. And when you start to put them up, other people will have a response or a reaction to that. Yes. And yes. that's hard. It's mm-hmm. hard to be like, oh, I'm going to hold space for them to be uncomfortable with this new boundary because it's new for them too. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, because families and relationships, they're a system, you know, mm-hmm. and when you, and naturally what a system does is it tries to stay stable and in balance where it is. Right. So when you try to change it, it's naturally going to want to pull back to the status quo, even if the status quo is stable misery. Totally. Even if it's miserable where it is, misery is sometimes familiar is better than, you know, different or or what we don't understand. Right. So, yeah, people are going to be like, you're not in line. Get back in line. I say this and then you agree, <laughs> you enter into a codependent cycle with me. And if you don't, then I shame you. You walk away, you cry. You know how this goes. <laughs> Why do I have to tell you again? <laughs> yeah, we don't have to rewrite this. We're doing, this is fine. This works. Uh, <laughs> totally. And even within ourselves, right? Like when I've tried to change patterns and habits and narratives within myself, there is that resistance because my body is like, no, babe, we have a system. Keep, yes, keep yes. going. And I have to be like, oh, I hear you. I hear your fear trying to make sure that I stay in line and I'm going to choose to do something different this time. And it's uncomfortable for a while. Yes. It's very uncomfortable. And we'll question ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. is this right? Should I be doing this? Maybe this is wrong. And that's where community, like the community that you have is really, really important. Being able to say like, hey, there's this thing and I know I should be, but I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't. And, you know, and having your sisters and brothers around you to say, no, stay the course. You're doing great. Keep going. You know, 
So being able to have that support is really important as we're stepping out and breaking cycles because they're familiar and we can get lost. Yeah. Which way, which way, which way is north? Where's the star? <laughs> Absolutely. And I, oh, I just feel so connected to so much of what you're saying. There, I co-created the collaborative emotion processing method, like a how-to guide Ooh. for building emotional intelligence. And we researched it across the U.S. And it, but it comes collaborative emotion processing, right? This idea that we don't process emotions by ourselves, Mm-mm. that it is in collaboration that we do that because we're going to respond to other people. We're going to co-regulate or dysregulate with somebody. Yes. And, and that like all of that has to be taken into consideration when we're talking about this emotional growth. And, I oh. love that. I love you. I just want to hang out. I know. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, how do you, now you're, you know, deep in this and and you shared in that, in the talk that I saw from you that so much of this work you started to do when you were already a parent, right? That you were like, oh shoot, got to rewrite these patterns. And a lot of the folks in our village are in that same space where they're like, ooh, now I'm seeing all these patterns that I don't want to repeat. But man, it's hard in the day to day, just like living with a toddler or multiple children or whatever and working or not, or just living is really hard and busy. (laughs) And so where do you find the time? How do you build this in to do the work when you're, you might already be feeling like you're on a hamster wheel, you know? I love that because a couple things. One, so those of us who our relationship evolutionaries who do want to evolve our relationships past what we know, we have a slight, slight disadvantage in that. So uh, Dan Siegel and Pat Ogden, when Dan Siegel was doing a lot of trauma work, um, they created this, this concept called the window of tolerance. Okay. And the window of tolerance, when we're in the window, um, it's, it's, where we're moving along. Like we, when challenges face us, we're like, bring it on. Right. Like we have the emotional and the psychological and the spiritual and the physical resources to be able to handle what's coming out at us. When something happens that's frustrating or that throws us off, we can sometimes get out, be knocked out of the window. Right. And when we're knocked out of the window, we can feel anxious, hypervigilant, shut down, angry, you know, all of these different things or angry isn't necessarily being out of the window, but we can react in way angry. We can react to our anger in ways that don't feel good and aren't helpful. Right. Or overreact, let's say. Um, So those of us who haven't really been taught or who have been conditioned to respond in certain ways, just from, you know, being raised in certain environments, our window of tolerance may be smaller. Right. So it doesn't take much to knock us out of that window or what I like to call. We find ourselves more often living on the ledge, which I Mm -hmm. like to call living on the ledge. We're really frustrated. Um, And so the key is always, how do I get back in the window? How do I get myself back in the window? How do I get myself regulated? How do I get myself there? And it's not always easy. You know, you see these things. God help us. We write these books and we're like, breathe. And and it's like. (laughs) Yay, that's great until it's not. <laughs> until I'm in it and that's the last thing on my mind. Exactly. I'm not yeah, breathing. Yeah, yeah. I'm not breathing. Totally. 
So this is why, this is another great thing about the PADS model that I mentioned earlier, because it gives us different ways to intervene, um, depending on your, um, just your personality. So for me, um, I have really trained myself to ask questions like, okay, what story am I telling myself right now? Mm -hmm. right? That's a big one for me. Mm -hmm. So whenever I notice like that I'm getting agitated or whatever, well, first place I go to is what's the story in my head, mm -hmm. you know? And the story in my head, nine times out of 10 is usually something that's not helpful. Mm -hmm. So um, what I would suggest people do is, and you can go, I can give the website, um, it's healingstablemisery.com, but there's like this, this, I've outlined this in some okay. free download. But what you can do is you can walk yourself through the PADS model. So you can say, okay, um, my child is really agitating me right now. I'm about to blow up. Uh, wait, what story am I telling myself right now? Oh, okay. Well, the story in my head is my child's a manip is manipulative, right? My child's doing this on purpose. They're trying to make me angry. God, mm -hmm. I heard that so much growing up. You're trying to make me angry. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I like getting whacked with belts and shoes. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought this morning when I woke up. But, um, you know, so what story am I telling myself? And when I tell myself this story, how do I feel, right? What do I become aware of? Whew, well, I noticed that my, you can just do this on a sheet of paper. This doesn't even have to be, mm -hmm. I would say, take one thing. Yeah. Let me back up. Start with one thing, one thing. It doesn't have to be everything, just one thing. So let's say that you're triggered when your child, um, or you get angry or you start yelling when your child, I don't know, dumps water all over the floor at bath time or something. Yeah. Right. So you can write, P, what story am I telling myself? Like crap, I have to clean this up. My kid doesn't care. They don't, they don't, they don't take my feelings into consideration. They're doing it on purpose, yada, 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 all these things. And when you tell yourself that story, how do you feel? Well, I feel tight, I feel tense in my body, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm annoyed, all these things. Okay, so when you tell yourself that story and you feel those things, what do you tend to do? Well, I yell, um, I shut down. Um, I say mean things, you know, to my kid that I probably shouldn't say. Okay. So when you're telling yourself the story, you're feeling this way, you're using these tools. What are you aware of that needs to be healed within you? Now that question could mean like, I need to heal some deep, dark trauma thing, you know, from the past, but it could also be something like, it means I need a break. It means that at bath time, maybe I need to move bath time up an hour when I have more energy and don't do it at, you know, at this point because I just don't have it in me anymore, right? So it could mean I need a break. It could mean that um, maybe if I have a partner, maybe they need to handle bath time, you know, different things like that. So it's really just about what needs to be healed like in the past, but also what needs to be healed within me. Like I'm tired, I'm hungry. I mean, you know, whatever. And then for the self-empowerment, what's one step that you can take to move you closer to joy? One, just one step in that moment, you know? And like I said, maybe you move bath time up an hour or you do, you know, whatever you need to do to help. Like what's one step? Because that empowerment step is really important um, because it's not going to shift. It helps to shift these other things. Now, with all of that said, 
in the moment, it would be great if you had a little piece of paper with P-A-T-H-S written down and then you could just fill that in. That'd be <laughs> yeah, awesome. that one, the one you always bring to bedtime. Exactly. <laughs> and it doesn't get wet at all. It's no. your child's throwing yeah. water. Because <laughs> you're so regulated and have everything all together enough to, ahead of bath time, be like, I'm going to need this paper. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the beautiful thing about this model is you can take it apart. So like I said, breathing doesn't work for everyone, right? So breathing might be a great tool, but maybe for you, maybe it's, I need to shift. Like if I shift my story in the moment, that's going to help me, right? If I become aware of my body sensations and realize like, oh, okay, I just need to like sit down and I need to, I need to stretch or do a downward dog or something like that in the moment. Or maybe if you're yelling, maybe I need to switch the tools I'm using, right? Maybe at bath time, maybe that needs to be whisper time where Mm. we all whisper, just whisper. Now it's really funny when you whisper instead of yelling, what ends up happening is you just speak in your normal voice. It's really funny how that happens. So you set the intention to whisper and it's like, you know, You know, oh, or maybe you need to hop into therapy or get a coach or put right. together a self-care plan. I always say, I know people kind of gawk at self-care, like, oh, yeah. it's time for self-care. But I'm like, self-care is family care. Mm-hmm. If you're not doing self-care, you're not caring for your family. So oh, don't like. give me that stuff about I don't have time because my kid. No, you want to care for your kid, you care for yourself. Bottom line, people. Here for it, babe. Actually, in our in the set method, there's five components, and one is adult child interactions. The other four are about us, and one of the four is self care. Yes, that's so important. <laughs> like you cannot, you can have the perfect script. You could sit in the coffee shop talking to your friend. You're like, all right, I'm ready to go. I got this. And then if you're not taking care of yourself when you get home, you're not eating when you're hungry. You're not taking a minute away when you need it. Like whatever that is for you. Yeah, not gonna happen. I, I think the thing with breathing, because I'm here for whatever, breathing and moving cortisol throughout your body and reaccessing your prefrontal cortex. Here for it. I think the thing is, so we have, we're, we're here for five in the set method. There, we have five phases of emotion processing within the adult-child interactions, and number four is coping. Four out of five, and so that's where we would be breathing is yeah. in phase. Four, right? <laughs> There's one through three where we're not ready to breathe yet. No. We're not there yet. Like you gotta first acknowledge that you're feeling this, right? I think so often that's where like my work started was noticing before I was blowing, like, ooh, I started to notice what a rush of cortisol felt like when I was at like a four or a five mm-hmm. rather than an eight, a nine, or a ten. Right. And like that power of just like, and my question that I started with for myself was, how does your chest feel? Because Mm -hmm. that's where like my chest will start to get tight first. That's the first thing that happens in my body when I have a rush of cortisol, whether I am angry or embarrassed or whatever, my chest gets tight first. And so I can move on to like, what story am I telling myself later? But for me, my trigger was like, how does your chest feel? Is that what that means? Love that. I love that because that, that nails it. Like it doesn't work for everyone. Like everybody doesn't need to start with the breathing or the story or the, sometimes it's just that sensation. And I noticed, so the sensation leads me to ask the mm-hmm. question, but funny enough, I'm more aware of 
what story am I telling myself? Right. right. It's very strange how it happens. Trigger. Yes, yes. Yes. That's the first thing that gets. And I'm like, oh, what story am I telling myself right now? Right. Yeah. So I love that. Asking yourself, how does my chest feel? What feeling is coming up for me? What am I doing right now? Oh, I'm yelling. Uh, you know, <laughs> totally. or whatever that might how be. How loud is my voice? <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm, I'm hungry. You know, whatever. Pick one of them, any one of them to mm-hmm. start with. What is your what's going to be that baseline period and that baseline question for you. And the thing I love about questions, it's very strategic using questions because you cannot ask yourself a question without ticking your frontal lobe, like Mm -hmm. your frontal lobe. If I ask you what time, like I used to work with a lot of clients who were dissociative Mm -hmm. and we would go through a session and I would say, Hey, what time is it, babe? You know, like what time is it? You know, and they might not even have a watch on, you know, but it's like, if you ask a question, you automatically have to come into the present. You automatically ask that frontal lobe. So coming up with a key question that you can ask yourself to sort of bring yourself back and give yourself that moment to be aware. So crucial. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And we started to see it with kids too. When we were doing the research on the method, we had one little boy who um, I've talked about him a bunch, but he was deemed like aggressive. Um, Mm -hmm. always the kid in class who was hitting somebody, he would do it multiple times a day and he had an automatic, just like physical response. And, you know, some kids will dissociate, some kids will pull back. He was like, fight in the fight, flight or freeze. He's here to fight. And so what we started to do with him was when we would start to see him, like his face would get tight and shoulders would go up to his ears. We would just identify those things. Oh man, I see your shoulders going up to you. Yes. Your hands are so tight. And then he started a couple months in saying like, my hands are so tight and my shoulders are going up to my ears. And we're like, yes, this is it, man. Like he's starting to notice those triggers before, which then can lead him to making a different choice. Absolutely. But if he doesn't know when it builds, he's not going to be like, after the fact, he could tell you that he wasn't yeah. supposed to hit, what he could do differently, et cetera. But if we didn't help him with those triggers ahead of time, and this is what I get from so many folks, from parents and teachers that are like, well, they know they're not supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. Great. There are so many things I know I'm not supposed to do, <laughs> but in the moment, there's just a reaction. And I have to work to build a different response to that initial trigger, which mm-hmm. for you was like the trigger was the physiological response and the question of what story am I telling myself? Yes. And for me, the physiological response starts. And my question is, how does your chest feel? And yeah. but starting to build that awareness of like, Oh, mm-hmm. I'm dysregulated is really what we're telling ourselves. My body's dysregulated right now. Yes. And we can't do, we can't make a different choice. You don't get to self-regulate or um, it, choose a different action afterwards, respond instead of react, mm-hmm. unless we have the awareness first. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. 
All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Now, awareness is key. It's crucial. It's absolutely crucial. And that's really where it starts, becoming aware. I um, Another model I created, it's called the Elemental Living Model. And what I what it does is I realized that wherever you live on the planet Earth, mm-hmm. like the elements act the same. Air is air, water is water, fire, fire, you know, mm-hmm. all this other stuff. And so what I did was I paired the four elements with different um, reactions that we tend to have and different strategies that we can use. So for instance, the example that I often give is, um, you know, if our kid's throwing a tantrum, you know, or like in the aisle four or five in the grocery store, like kicking and screaming, earth, air, fire, water, which element would you say that child is in? Hmm. Oh, 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 oh. Um, If he's throwing a tantrum in the grocery store? Air, fire, water. I'm going to say, I guess, air. No. So they're angry. They're kicking. They're screaming. They're so. Um, oh, fire. Yes. Uh, Alyssa, come on. <laughs> I was like, this feels, I actually, this is kind of hilarious. You were talking about spirituality earlier. And my therapist, like anytime she mentions the word spirituality, I'm like, I'm checked out. I'm done. This isn't for me. And she's like, my spiritual self is like the hardest one. My analytical mind wants to come in every time. And so when you were like earth, air, fire, water, automatically I like dissociated because I was like, really, this isn't for me. But Ah. now when you like lead me through it, I'm like, yeah, okay. I know I get it. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) I'm going to be like, I'm just going to say something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, please don't ask me a question. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so yeah. So they're in fire. So usually, so if you have a parent who is not aware, which element do you think they would likely bring to that child in that moment? 
earth. I would say probably also fire. Yeah, yeah. But if you think about it intuitively, you got it, Alyssa. (laughs) (laughs) If you think about it intuitively, if you have fire, what do you need? Water. Water, right? And the water is the flow and the compassion and, you know, and all those different things. So I bring that up to say, we have different ways that our brain works differently. So by the time you read this great blog post that tells you the 15 things you need to do to regulate yourself and your child in the moment, yeah, 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 yeah. But the problem is when your child's in aisle five screaming and screaming, you're, all that, your frontal lobe becomes sporting off because that part of your brain shuts down, your fight, flight, freeze, and your amygdala is lighting up. You don't have access to that anymore. Right. So it takes different ways. Like that is an example of like, how do you symbolism and how to use mm-hmm. like from learning theory, we know that if you don't know something very well and you pair it with something, you know, very well, like how the elements work, you're more likely to ret- retrieve it. Yeah. Right. So apparently I don't know how the elements work. That's- <laughs> <laughs> yes, <you do. laughs> totally caught you off guard there. Totally caught you off guard. <laughs> It's, I feel like you've been like following me around and we've been hanging out for years because this is something I literally use in one of my workshops is this analogy. I'll, I show a video of like a baby laughing and how delicious that is and what it does to your insides and how then like everyone like starts laughing in the audience, like whatever. And then I, we talk about how if you're on aisle four, I always say aisle four, you chose five, and and your kid's throwing a tantrum inside, you are doing the same thing. Yeah. I feel like you and I have been like sisters from another, yeah, literally mirror neurons. Yes. But we think of it when things are delicious, right? When you're like, I I had somebody tell me the other day, they're like, I just love weddings. And I was like, of course you do. You love love. And there's like good feelings and everyone's jazzed. And there's a lot of oxytocin flowing at a wedding. And nobody's like, you know what? I love funerals. Like, (laughs) because there isn't oxytocin flowing, right? Like it's sad. People are crying. And so inside your body isn't having a party. Mm -hmm. It's so true. It's so true. And being able to recognize that and recognize when we feel, I love that too, because it's also important to recognize when we feel good, right? Mm -hmm. Like we talk about recognizing like, you know, when we're triggered and all this other kind of stuff, but it's also important to know what good feels like. Mm-hmm. What does good feel like within me? How do I know, you know, what that feels? Because then you can get there, right? You mm-hmm. know what joy feels like. If you know what compassion feels like, if you know what peace feels like, if you know what calm feels like in you, then you can get yourself there, mm-hmm. right? And so all of that is so good, like knowing what it feels like when the oxytocin is flowing mm-hmm. through your body. And when it's not, you know, mm-hmm. like all that is so important. All of that fits like in that beautiful awareness globe. <laughs> and it's funny because even the researchers say that like self-awareness is so important. It is so important. It's the key to everything when we talk about parenting, which is why self-care is important because you're not going to be, you're, again, frontal lobe shut down. Can't mm-hmm. be aware. Not on that way. I mean, you can like if a lion's trying to eat you, you know, but you could, so you're going to be aware of like the dangers and the frustration. Yeah. But when you want to be aware on a bigger global scale, you got to be able to calm that system. You have to have those times where you're just like, 
Yeah. I think self-awareness is the most overlooked. I think this is why people are like, oh, gratitude practice, schmatitude practice, like whatever. And I'm like, pause, pause and be aware of what brought you joy today or what's around you that's feeding your soul today. Um, Because it's so easy. At the end of the day, I can tell you all the garbage that happened. I can tell you who drove me nuts. I literally, I did it in bed last night, sat next to Zach in bed and like just downloaded all the garbage and then was like he and he empathized and listened he was like you know or any anything else anything else you need to let go of and and then he was like rad he's like what was positive that happened today after he like led me through and held space for me to feel the hard stuff and I was like that's such a rad way to end it's like yeah and also let's pay attention to the but it's it I, I think like all that to say that we talk about emotional intelligence and we talk about regulation, I think quite a bit now, at least like in the respectful parenting community and parenting in general and classrooms, we're talking about how to help kids feel calm, et cetera. But we leave out self-awareness over and over and over and over. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. I had a um, client who was like, we do belly breathing and all this kind of stuff. And I think that He's just talking about her son. I think he should be better able to regulate himself. Her son's five. He's able to regulate himself now. And I was like, um, how, how, how are you doing with those skills? <laughs> yeah. she, we just busted out laughing. Because I was like, oh, me? Oh, we're not talking about me. Yeah, let's you know? go back to the five-year-old. <laughs> Can we talk about them for a minute? But I think that also, like, with the awareness piece, it's another component when we're talking about the intergenerational trauma and, like, relationships of, like, if you're doing this work and now you're going to be entering into a different relationship with, say, your mother or your father or your sister or your brother, whomever, that you're like, oh, I'm, I want to make changes in my life and that will inevitably change how you show up in relationship with others. Yeah. That the awareness then of how people are responding to you and not necessarily that that's a bad thing that you want to change again or go back to, but just awareness of like, Oh yeah. When I set that boundary, it's really dysregulating for them. Yeah. Yeah. So they feel true. uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, and just being able to build that awareness again, not that you're going to say like, okay, I don't want them to be uncomfortable. So I'm going to go do something else, but just the awareness so that then when they're calling 18 times or they're sending rude texts or they're whatever, you're like, Oh, they're so dysregulated because I showed up differently. Yes. Yes. You have that like sort of metacognitive view, you know, you have that ability to say, this isn't about me, mm-hmm. right? This isn't about me. This is about the process and the fact that I'm shifting and that doesn't feel good to them, right? Which again, can go back to what we talked about at the beginning around decreasing the the, the feeling like we're reverse shaming our family mm-hmm. or we're going to, you know, we're saying that they're bad and all of that kind of stuff, because you might get that. You might get, they might go to that level. Like, oh, you're bringing out the big guns right? Mm-hmm. Like you think I'm bad and horrible and blah, blah, blah. I didn't say that, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, so realizing like, okay, this is, this is your tantrum on aisle four. Okay. Okay. I get it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> totally. I got it. I got it. Bring some water. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, but it's so hard in that moment for me when I'm like starting to set new boundaries with folks that are really for me, when they have that reaction, it dysregulates 
me too, right? Because we dysregulated the whole system, as you were saying earlier. And now my body's like, oh, just go back to what's cozy. Like we can fix this. And the mo- for me, it's all awareness is the key to not going back into that. Because I have to be like, all oh, right, Liz, like this is what we're expecting to have happen here. Like this is, and it's okay for you to feel uncomfortable. It won't feel this way forever. It's so true. I remember, and, and, and that, that applies so well to kids too, mm-hmm. because there are going to be a lot of parents who are going to be like, all right, I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to set these boundaries. I'm going to hold these boundaries. And the kid starts crying and they're like, okay, you're sorry. I'm not, you know, <laughs> I literally, I'm not kidding. I got kicked out of a Facebook group once because I told a mom, it's okay. If your kid cries a little, it's okay. Like, it's not going to destroy them. They're mm-hmm. not going to. And then I was told that I told this mom that she should just allow her child to cry, you know, and ignore the child. I was like, that is not what I said. You're like, and welcome to the pendulum swing. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, she was literally saying, I can't take a shower. Yeah. Because my child will sit there and cry. And I'm like, yeah, it's okay shower. if they cry. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. But if we keep coming out like, okay, when you cry, mommy's going to rush out and just hold you for 48 hours straight. Mm -hmm. Like, then yeah, I would cry too if I wanted to be held. Like if I realize all I have to do, so I press this button and you do this thing, I'm just going to keep pressing the button. Totally. Because it feels uncomfortable to feel uncomfortable. And, and, and what we're also telling that kid is I can't handle your hard feelings. So I'm just going to make them stop. Yes. Yes. We do a lot. We do some sleep work as well. Sleep consulting and sleep support. Again, from this place of self-care, we cannot show up and be emotionally regulated. If we're all sleep deprived. And so all developmentally appropriate of like what to expect at different ages and stages, which is part of our work. And people are like, I want my five week old to sleep 12 hours. And we're like, good luck, babe. You're gonna, it's going to be a while uh, or never. <laughs> 12 hours isn't the norm. But um, so some of it's like supporting folks with just what's developmentally appropriate. But a lot of it is we were very upfront that I don't practice cry it out. We won't leave your kid to cry with no tools. And we do not practice a no cry sleep solution. Mm-hmm. We are going to be in the middle where your kid's probably going to cry because we're going to do something new and different that they aren't expecting. And we're going to support them with tools to navigate the hard feelings. Exactly. exactly. And it, but it's so just people are like, no, they're supposed to either like not cry at all, or I can't handle going in to support them through their cries. And so could we just leave them? Could we just, and we'll <laughs> we need to shower. Showers are still <laughs> overrated. It's fine. You know? And I was like, bring the kid in the back. Put him in with some dolls or something. But take your shower, mom. Please yeah. take your shower. You for the love it. of everybody who has to be in your presence, take a shower. <laughs> One of the things I wanted to say too, that you, when you said like, it's teaching them, I can't handle your big emotions. It's mm-hmm. also teaching them and neither can you. Yeah. You can't handle your big emotions. Mm. So I'm going to protect you from them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what I do, funny enough, is helping adults feel okay with their feelings <laughs> because yeah. we're told on so many levels, especially growing up. Like I remember how many times I heard stop crying before I give you something to cry about. Yeah. They told me that my crying was bad. Like I, it was, it was, it was invalid. Mm-hmm. It was or you're okay. Yeah. What's wrong with you? You're fine. Do, do Suck you... it up buttercup. Exactly. I'm you don't need to be crying about fine. this. <laughs> this is not a big deal. 
Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it goes it goes both ways, and being mm -hmm. able to say like, you can handle your big feet. Like my daughter, I remember when she was. I would talk about breathing break, breathing break, breathing break. Then when mm -hmm. she was probably about four, and all of a sudden her brother did something, or we did. I don't remember. And she goes, "I'm frustrated, and I'm gonna take a breathing break." <laughs> and I was like, and I'm like, "Yay!" You made it. <laughs> What I want people to hear there was she was four. You'd yeah. been laying this groundwork for a while yeah. and she was four. I've started, I, I've been sharing people, people DM us like their wins, right? Like these things, like this happened and it feels like such a like monumental, we've been working on this now. Happened. And I just started, I created a highlight so that people can see like those wins and what those wins look like that it's not always like this big thing where a kid walks in and they're like I know that I'm feeling angry and I'm really calm when I talk about it and like but it, it's them yelling I'm frustrated and I need to take a breathing break or we had a little girl the other day uh her mom sent us a picture of her and said that she was at her aunt's house and mom had like gone to do something and she's sitting in the corner and she's got her hands like on her face and she, she you can tell in her face like she looks bummed Mm -hmm. And her aunt was like, hey, do you want to come do a puzzle or whatever? And she was like, oh, I miss my mom. And I'm disappointed that she left. I just need to take some space and read a book. And then I'll be ready to play. And I was <laughs> like, oh, my God, yay. <laughs> but like, Sorry. yeah. And she was like, no, I'm not going to distract myself out of this and come do a puzzle right now. I'm not ready. Yes. Uh, I'm going to take some space and read a book by myself and then I'll be ready in a little bit to play but what she had learned was it's okay for you to feel disappointed it's okay for you to feel yes. sad you don't have to rush it away we had another little girl who was yelling no calm mama when she would offer coping strategies and her mom was like I've gone through all the steps and I was like yeah she's not she's still feeling and so you can let her know that when she's ready to feel calm here are some choices or here's where you'll be if she needs support but right now She's just feeling and she needs time to feel. And we get to say, yeah, babe, you can have that. It's okay for you to feel. Yes. Yes. I love that. I remember one time my, um, my, my daughter, she was really like, oh my God, talk about fire. It was probably <laughs> one of the craziest fire moments we ever had. And I was just with her and I was just empathizing and I filled my cup that day. I still remember I was, I was feeling good. I had the resources. I was in the window tolerance. Right. And so I was able to be there with her. And at the end she goes, I just can't stop crying. <laughs> and it was one of those things where it was like, Oh, like, you know, she realized like, I, there's something going on. Like, I can't stop this. Like I want yeah. to, but I'm I too dysregulated. Yes. And she's like, what's happening to my body? I just can't stop this. You know? And I'm like, I've been there. I know that feeling. We're bonding. Like <laughs> and buckle up, babes. It'll happen every time you watch <laughs> Grey's Anatomy or This Is Us. So hold on yeah, tight. Like <laughs> yeah, this ain't going away. Uh, <laughs> no, that's so awesome. It's so awesome when we can hold that space. And you're so right. So much of this is that if we can't hold that space for ourselves to feel hard things, it's yeah. almost impossible to do for a child. It and really is. So it's really getting cozy with those hard feelings for ourselves first. Okay, I feel like I could just move into your house and hang out with you all the time. I know! So. <laughs> we gotta have like online 
coffee dates or yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, but it, for the sake of time for our folks, I what do you want to leave people with if it, it, when they're walking away from this, we just threw so much stuff at them. What do you want to leave folks with? And then where can they connect with you? Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I want to say is that this process of transforming who we are, you know, and being relationship evolutionaries, it's really, um, it's not a race. It's not even a solo or, you know, it's, it's a relay, right? Like, don't think you have to do the whole 26 miles alone, form community, get with people you trust, and also realize that you're only going to go so far and then you're going to pass that baton to your kids and they're going to pass the baton to their kids. Right. So you don't have to do this perfectly. The other thing, um, is to realize that this is a, it's to, when you break cycles and builds legacies, it's an act of courage. It's an act of courage and it's courageous because not everybody's going to agree with it. Not everybody's going to like it. It's not always going to feel good. It's not always going to go right, but stay the course, maybe even form a vision of why you're doing this so that you can constantly return to your why constantly return to your why when things get crazy. And in terms of um, resources, please go to healingstablemisery.com download the paths sheet that I have up there. It gives specific tips on things that you can do for each of those um, pieces, the P-A-T-H-S, and then find which one's right for you and just use one, just one. You don't even have, don't try to do the whole thing if you don't want to. If you're an overachiever like me, you will, but if you're not, you don't have to, okay? Just choose one and focus on it a week. Maybe it's asking yourself like, what am I feeling in my chest right now? What story am I telling myself, you know, or I'm going to notice like what tool am I using right now? Is this helpful or whatever it is, just use one, use it for a week and, and then reflect on what happened, reflect on how that changed. And then the last thing I want to say is realizing this is not, when we're talking about changing from generation to generation, it, it's not about perfection, right? Celebrate the progress celebrate the progress. Like if you make one little move, celebrate that. Because if you focus on being perfect all the time, you're just going to depress yourself and you're going to stay in stable misery longer than you need to. I love you so much. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Literally like my Instagram bio right now says progress is greater than perfection. Are you serious? (laughs) Sorry, God. I'll Uh, progress greater. (laughs) I love it. So yeah, this is, this is so great. Uh, and we, I host a mama's getaway weekend every year mm-hmm. and it's just like this delicious kind of retreat style weekend, but for, it's a conference for moms, if you will, right. where we get to dive into this work and what it looks like and how to build it in ourselves and in our kids and all that jazz. But next year, 2021, I would like you to be one of our guest speakers. I would be honored to. Right. We need you on our stage, babe. I'm there. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, until Mama's Getaway 2021, where can people connect with you? (laughs) Yes, yes. So you can go and download the thing at HealingStableMisery.com. Also, my official website is DrLWillis.com. So D-R-L is in Ladybug, Willis.com. And you can find out more about me there. Perfect. And we'll link all those on the uh, blog post. So if folks want to just go click the link, they'll all be linked there. Perfect. Thanks so much, babe. Thank you, Alyssa. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community over on Instagram hanging out every day with more free content? 
Come join us at seed.and.sew, S-E-W. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram, and tag seed.and.sew to let me know your key takeaway. If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.